0: Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, good morning. How are you guys all doing? Good, good, good. And welcome to everyone joining us online right now. I am thrilled that you're with us. Uh, I've got Pastor Jeff on up here just before we hop into the message uh, to... Just update us on a couple things. First, we've
1: got something exciting happening right after the service. What's going on? Yeah, if you're brand new to Lakeland, either online or in person, we're hosting Start Here. Start Here today. Start Here is just a short gathering. We want to give you a tour of Lakeland and give you the heartbeat of our church so that you can make the best decision about where God wants you to be. We want to propel you in your Lakeland journey. It's a great place to start.
0: Yep, so that's happening right after the service, right here in the cafe. Um, and then there's also an online version of that. They'll drop a link for those two of you joining us online. Also, over this past month, we took a survey. It took a survey, hundreds of you turned, filled it out, just kind of give us an assessment. Where are you at uh, in your RPMs, relationally, spiritually, mentally, physically? And uh, we took all of that data, and one of the things we wanted to do is figure out are there places that we need to kind of shore up to be able to serve you better? Uh, what learnings are there that we can kind of gather from That uh, from your information, what you shared with us. And so Jeff and his team have been compiling all that, putting it together, and We've had some good ahas that have come out of that. And so Jeff wanted, we want to share some of that with you. So Jeff, yeah. take it away.
1: Hey, thanks so much again for filling out the check-in. It just gives us a glimpse of where we are as a church, and that's what we wanted. And so aha moments for us, hopefully some aha moments for you too. Learning number one. You ready? Here, here we go. Learning number one, some tough news first. We have a lot of talent sitting on the bench. We have a lot of talent sitting on the bench. This is a stat that we knew here at Lakeland, is that about 50%, which is an astounding number in comparison uh, to other places, 50% of the people are serving uh, in church, on a ministry team, and that is awesome. Here at Lakeland, we don't wanna quit until 100% of the people are serving 100% of the people because it's a great picture of heaven, right? Uh, That's what we want. And uh, not only, if you're not serving, not only are you missing out from stepping into your kingdom sweet spot, But we believe the mission of Jesus also slows down a little bit, and we don't want any of that. So jump on a serve team. What a great way to grow as a disciple of Jesus and to go from the seats and onto a team. Uh, Really, really cool, and I'll tell you how we can help you uh, take that step. Learning number two is this collectively, so we're looking at RPMs, relationally, physically, mentally, spiritually, collectively, if you throw them all together, physical health is our greatest opportunity to level up. And no matter when we pulled the stats, the first wave, the second wave, the third wave, physical health was the one that rated lowest of all of our RPMs. And so physical health is a lot of different things. Uh, Are we exercising? Are we getting enough sleep? Are we taking care of ourselves? All of these things. Uh, I had a pastor friend that uh, anyone, uh, anytime like a college student, he worked college students would come in and be like, my life is crashing around me. He asked a simple question, how much sleep are you getting? And they would say, like, three hours. That's all I'm getting. He's like, go back, we'll meet in two weeks, get some sleep, and we'll come back. And it just, as you can imagine, Uh, they came back in two weeks, got some sleep. It was like, oh, I can finally start tackling the things in my life. Physical health is huge. And so as a leadership team, we are really rallying behind this. What does it look like for Lakeland to level up to be more physically fit, uh, to take care of ourselves, to move forward? Because if one of your RPMs is tanking, guess what happened? to the others they all tank they all tank that if i'm not taking care of myself physically spiritually i'm not uh firing on all cylinders mentally and relationally and so we want to fire this one up as a church Uh, we're really excited about it learning number three this is what came out this is really cool if you were to take all the rpms and overlap them with spiritual maturity okay you with me on this Is it too early for this, a little bit? Okay, so if you take all the RPMs and where people rank themselves spiritual maturity, this is what we found. The closer you are to Jesus, the healthier you are as a person. The closer you are to Jesus, the healthier you are as a person. This is how we saw it in the survey, that spiritual infants would rate themselves about here uh, for their RPMs. Uh, Spiritual children here, spiritual young adults here, guess what, spiritual parents scored the highest on all RPMs across the board. They were relationally the healthiest, Physically the healthiest, mentally the healthiest, and spiritually the healthiest. So what does that teach us? It teaches us that the closer you are to Jesus, the healthier you are as a person. And so if you're feeling stuck in your relationship with Jesus, let this be a picture of hope for your future to keep going, to keep pressing in. Because this would be the reality of your RPMs. That benefits your family, yourself, your church, your workplace off the charts, just really, really good stuff. But those were some of the few findings uh, that we learned uh, from the survey, which was really, really cool.
0: Yeah, so thank you, Jeff, and thank you for your team. They've actually been following up with hundreds of people this week in regards to uh, just even that assessment and the check-in, And so thank you guys so much. Yeah,
1: if you need any help, uh, take next steps, both online, I'm ready to take a ne- next step, put that in the chat, or stop by next steps. We'd love to help you keep moving forward uh, in all of these things.
0: Yeah, so give it up for awesome. Jeff, give it up for his team, appreciate him. You know, it's fun, though, to think, uh, you know, we always have this idea, like, hey, Jesus makes a difference in your life, right? Like, that, uh, that's what I believe. Here's the thing. You and all of those assessments, you just confirmed that. You just confirmed through, you know, hundreds of, of surveys basically said, yes, the closer I am to Jesus, the better my life is, period. So if you're sitting there going, should I, should I grow in my walk with God? Listen, hundreds of people just weighed in, and they all said, that is true. The closer I am to Jesus, my life is better, period. So get closer to Jesus. So take your next step if you haven't, or if there's a next step to take, take it. All right, you ready for today? Yeah, this is going to be good. Uh, how many of you uh, are going to be watching a game today? <laughs> some of you so so here's the deal we we know this is going to happen it's super bowl sunday that means that million i believe they, they're predicting this the highest watched you know event ever in, in history hundreds of millions of people are there expecting to watch the super bowl and um while i know for some of you you're like maybe some of you are like i don't i don't care about the team maybe some of you care more about the puppy bowl than the super bowl Maybe some of you care more about the commercials than the Super Bowl. Are you that person who's like, as soon as the commercial comes on, everyone's like, you're like, shh, shh. this is the most important part. Let's see what star they got to do this random Dorito commercial, you know, that type of thing. Uh, maybe you're more concerned about just some of the other elements, other, uh, the, the food that you're gonna eat uh, as opposed to the Super Bowl. But here's the deal we know that between 5 30 and 9 p.m. tonight, there is gonna be more people holding their breath. <laughs> There's going to be more people anxious. There's going to be more people who who are probably living in this place of anxiety, literally on every snap during this next during that like three hour period of time than probably all week long. The most uh, anxiety collectively in our country is going to be happening later this afternoon. Yay. <laughs> Now, for you, you may not be anxious about the game at all, or about like you, you may not be holding your breath about the game at all. Maybe if you're an Olympics person like I am, I love watching the Olympics. Maybe you find yourself getting a little anxious or holding your breath around uh, you know, like when, when certain people are doing their their events, which I know it like already happened like 12 hours before, but I still find myself going because I haven't read the news. I'm like, what, what happened? Like when Sean White is taking his final run down the, the, the half pipe. I'm like, man, is he gonna land? Is it going to make it? You know, that type of thing. And you're like, you find yourself getting anxious. Anyone else? Although it happened 12 hours before. I, I, it's me. Uh, I, after Chloe Kim won the half pipe, okay, so she, actually she hadn't won it yet. After her very first run. So she goes down the half pipe, American gal, um, and she, she just nails her run. It was so good. It was interesting, the very first words that came out of her mouth. After she nails that run, the very first thing she said was this, I was so afraid. Huh? Like she's, she is like above every other competitor. There's like no one else who really had a chance. If she just lands her tricks, no one else is going to beat her. And yet her words were, I was so afraid. Why? Because she'd been living in fear of the what if. For so long. What if I catch an edge? What if I don't land it? What if I get injured? What if I don't live up to everyone else's expectations? What if all these years of training don't play out? And what if all the commercials that I've already like shot because they think I'm a star? What if I fail and I don't now I'm not worthy of it all? What if? What if? What if? And while you might not be stressed about the game or stressed maybe even about Olympics, I think almost all of us actually can relate to that. Uh, that mindset, this, this level of, of ongoing anxiety, sometimes that uh, creeps into our lives in the form of fear, because we're afraid of what could be, or the what- ifs. Am I talking to anyone? The, the fear, this, this fear is rearing its ugly head in so many of our lives. And so uh, the question is for today is simply this, how do we handle fear? How do we get victory over fear? This week in the God experiment, we're going to take five days to really unpack principles that give us victory over fear. But let me just kind of set it up today, because I love I, I love things like the t-shirts and the hats that say faith over fear. Maybe some of you have uh, one of those t-shirts, one of those hats, and it sounds really sweet and it's really great. But as as sweet as that is or as nice as that might fit on a t-shirt or on a hat, how many of you know it's a little bit more complex than that? Like, like it's not just as simple as, hey, get over your fear, have more faith, drop the mic. Like... Like it's, it's bigger than that. It's harder than that. It's a little bit more complex than that. The answer is yes related to faith over fear. But the answer is not just get over your fear and have more faith. So what is it? In Deuteronomy, now there's hundreds, hundreds of verses about fear or being afraid or don't be afraid or do not fear, that type of thing. But I just wanted to go to one. I wanted to go to one one passage of scripture because we're going to look at tons of passages in the God experiment this week. Um, there's so many, there's hundreds we could look at. But it, it's interesting because out of the hundreds that are in scripture, they often all boil down to some of the exact same principles. They often just kind of reiterate the same thing. Because you want to know why? Well, God inspired all the authors and... And so it's God's heart, and he's communicating the same thing over and over and over again. So I just want to look at one passage that, once again, kind of anchors our hearts in some principles that can help us learn how to overcome fear. And so the passage that we're going to is Deuteronomy chapter 20. We're just going to cover eight verses. We're going to spend most of our time right now just talking about one, okay? So one, one grand, grand total, one verse. Um, and I'll burn through the, the, the rest at the end. But here's the context. The Israelites have just really left out of out of Egypt. They've escaped out of the oppression uh, from Pharaoh's hand out of Egypt. God sent all these plagues so they would kind of get Pharaoh's attention. Finally, Pharaoh would release the Israelites to go to the promised land. And then on their way there, Pharaoh changes his mind. He sends his whole army to chase after the Israelites. They they pin him up right against the Red Sea. And then God does this amazing thing where we just sang about it in this last song of you split the sea and I walked right through it. That's a picture of the moment of the Israelites going through the Red Sea where God parts the Red Sea. They walk through to the promised land. The the Egyptians decide to chase after them and then God releases the waters upon the Egyptians and the Israelites are delivered through the Red Sea. And now they're heading toward the promised land, okay? So this is their journey. They're going toward the promised land and they're gonna face some opposition in the land. And so uh, here's the instruction That the Lord gives to them. Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 1. This is where we're just going to kind of land and talk about this verse for quite some time. When you go to war against the enemies, the enemies in the promised land, and you see horses and chariots and armies greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt will be with you. Okay, so now right here in this verse, we got some foundational principles, uh, I believe, to conquering fear. So what's happening in the verse? Okay, so first thing they're facing, they're facing armies in the Promised Land. They're facing a great opposition, and the opposition, according to the verse, is it says that they are greater, an army greater than yours. So they're facing an opposition that's bigger than them, greater than they are. There's probably nothing scarier than a massive army that wants to kill you, right? That you're you're facing. And if I could just kind of make a little first observation here is this the conflicts that you and I often face in life are often a result of our own forward motion that we're making with the Lord or we're taking with the Lord. In this case, the armies that they are facing, that the Israelites are facing, is a result of walking with God. Are you aware? Like, they're actually moving with the Lord, and as a result of moving with him, they actually are entering into the promised land that's filled with a whole bunch of opposition. So their opposition is a result of their own forward movement with, with God. And I've experienced this so many times in my own life. We've experienced this as a church, is that a lot of times when we walk with the Lord and we're making forward movement, we actually face opposition. When, when I first got here to Lakeland, we were a small church of about 100 people. We, we met over in the far building over there. That was our auditorium, was two kind of auditoriums over, and uh, and that's where we were. And I remember the very first kind of like, our, our church was growing, families are, are coming, we're reaching people for Christ, people's lives are being impacted, and that's really exciting. Our kids' room, which were jammed packed and had absolutely no space. We're giving up all of our offices for kids' space at that point. Because who's having all these children? They're just crazy, right? <laughs> and, and and so that's all going on. And then we get to this place of like, all right, we got to build. And immediately when we come to this place of we got to build, guess what we ran into? Opposition, right? We got... <laughs> Neighbors who were upset that we're building, we've got uh, really just unpleasant county meetings and township meetings and a lot of unpleasant conversations. We we have a, a loan that fell through. I mean, we had so much opposition, it was just crazy. Things are coming against us personally. You're starting to doubt, like, what are we doing? Everything is, like, coming against you. And we could say, like, man, why does it seem like the enemy is just attacking me? And might I just argue that maybe the enemy is not attacking me. Maybe I'm attacking the enemy. Maybe the opposition you're feeling is not a result of the enemy coming back against you. Maybe the opposition you're feeling is that you're attacking the devil. And you're actually feeling the resistance of your own forward movement with the Lord. Here's the deal. If you are are going, man, I've never been at this place in my life where I'm just so pursuing God in every area of my life. And all of a sudden you start feeling like there's all this stuff coming against you. and, And you're like, why is this getting so rough right now in my life? The reason why is because you're making forward movement. And when you make forward movement, you're actually taking enemy territory and the enemy doesn't like it. Now sometimes we feel resist, if you're one of those people who are like, man, everything's going wrong in my life, but you're not pursuing God, maybe you're just really good at tanking your own life. That is true. How many of you know I don't need the devil to, to sabotage my own life? I could do a whole lot of really dumb things all on my own. I don't need his help to completely ruin my life. But if I am pursuing him with all my heart, and I feel all these kind of things coming against me or resistance, it actually could be a result of my own forward movement. And that's what I believe the Israelites are are stepping into uh, at this point. Side note, if it seems like nothing ever is coming against you, maybe you're not living in such a way that your life is really a danger to the devil. Really quiet. (laughs) All right. Anytime I face opposition, though, here's the deal. Anytime you make forward movement, you'll probably face opposition. And when you face opposition, here's the deal. We can often just get overwhelmed, and we can allow fear to just kind of, like, rear its ugly face and, and overwhelm us. But this is what I want you to start thinking. Every time you face opposition is this. Opposition is an opportunity. Say that. Opposition is an opportunity. Say it. Opposition is an opportunity. Because anytime you face opposition, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to exercise one of two things, faith or fear. Now, once again, it's not just the simple, hey, get over your fear, have more faith. It's going to be exercise your faith specifically in a few areas. So let's just talk about what I mean or where do we exercise our, our faith. So the next sentence in the verse, he basically, let's go back to that verse. He says, when you go against them, don't be afraid. Okay, an army grit, don't be afraid because the Lord your God, and then notice what he says, who brought you out of Egypt. Right here in this verse, I think he, he starts to anchor our hearts to the things that we're actually gonna exercise our faith around. Like, it's not just have more faith. He's gonna say, here are some things that you need to exercise your faith around. And the first thing Uh, that he points to is something actually from their past. And if I could kind of summarize it into a statement, it would be this. First, remember how God was faithful in the past. He will be faithful again. This is what we exercise our faith around, is where was God faithful in my past? Start looking for him to be faithful there again in my future. Now, when he says God who is faithful... Uh, in bringing you out of the land of Egypt, you got to understand that was a loaded statement for the Israelites. That's not just like a, oh, that happened on one nice afternoon. It wasn't that. This is like hundreds of years of oppression leading up to a climax moment that was stretched over a period of time of God showing up through these plagues and then uh, deliverance through the Red Sea. I mean, it was just a whole series of an ama- of amazing events. So when he says that, all the Israelites are like, oh my word, remember that plague and that plague and that plague and that plague and going through that the Red Sea and then the pillar of, of fire that protected us from the, from the uh, Egyptian." Army. It's like all these things that are kind of loaded into that statement of God's deliverance. And he's saying, don't forget God did that for you back then, and he'll do it again. So now for you and I, can you think of a time in your life when God showed up and delivered you? When he protected you, when he provided for you, when his power was evident in your life? Probably most of us have a moment that we can point back to and go, I remember when God faithfully protected, He faithfully provided, or faithfully showed his power. If you don't, I actually want to just pause right now, because I want to pray that God shows up in your life in that way. So let me just pray for you, okay? Jesus, I pray over every individual here, every person watching online, if they don't have a moment in their life where they look back and they say, that was God, and that was God's faithfulness upon my life, him protecting, him providing, his power being displayed. Lord, I pray that you would give every one of us a a picture of you showing up in our lives in in that way this week. Sometime this week, God, demonstrate your provision, demonstrate your protection, demonstrate your power, that we would have a story that we can anchor our faith to of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So he brings them out of Egypt, he he points them back. Don't forget that, because our past experiences of God's faithfulness is actually meant, I believe it's meant to create a a, kind of a wave of momentum into whatever your current situation is, whatever the thing is that's coming against you right now. Where was God faithful in your past? Now here's another unique uh, aspect kind of to this, okay? It's the nature actually of another one of God's Kingdom principles, and here's the kingdom principle. The principle is the principle of promotion in the kingdom of God. Jesus told a whole bunch of parables about this. He mentions it multiple times in his teachings, and here's the principle. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with what? With much. If you're faithful with little, he'll make you faithful with much. Now, that's not always just financial things that you could be faithful with. That's, you can be faithful with a spiritual gift, right? If I'm faithful with utilizing a gift of mercy that the Lord gave me, and I, and I utilize that faithfully, he'll help me be faithful, or help, he'll provide opportunity for me to use that gift in a greater way. If I'm faithful with a gift of influence or influence that he's given me, and I utilize that faithfully with little, he'll provide greater opportunity for me to use influence in a greater way. If I'm faithful with my finances, and I honor God with my finances first, and I steward my resources well with little, guess what? I, I've just seen this principle of promotion work in every area of my life. He'll make you faithful with more. He'll always promote you. So now here's the deal. If the, op- the nature of that is if the, opposition, if the opposition that you're facing seems larger in the next encounter, don't be worried about it because that's normal. And so for the Israelites, that's exactly what they are facing. In their past, how many nations were, 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 were against them? The Egyptians. Now they're heading into the promised land, and how many nations are going to be against them? Dozens. Dozens. Dozens of nations live in the promised land that they're going to have to face. The opposition is bigger, but they were faithful walking with God when there was only one, and now they've got to trust that he's going to be faithfully walking with them when there is many. And the God who was faithful in your past when things were smaller will be faithful today when things are bigger. And once again, we've seen this in in the church setting with, with even all those builds. When we were going to build our, our second auditorium here, um, over there, I remember we wanted to save, I think we were trying to save $1.5 million. Well, that was like a crazy amount of money when our budget was 500000 right that's like three times of our, our annual budget and so it was it was crazy and yet god was faithful and he showed up so when we wanted to build this one i think we were trying to save i don't even remember exactly 3 million 3.5 i forget what it was but it was the numbers just start getting bigger and bigger and i remember being in some meetings where i'm like i don't know guys these numbers are just so big like it just seems it just seems too big and i i've, I've I love it when I sometimes have some of my board members, they're like, God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And, and sometimes I'm preaching that to them, and sometimes they're preaching it to me, and I have to just remind myself, like, yes, the, the opposition might seem bigger, but our God is the same. And I don't know what you're facing that seems like it's bigger, but your God is the same. And the one, the God who was faithful when things were smaller, he's going to be faithful when the opposition even seems bigger. God who brought you uh, that victory in the past, he's gonna bring you a victory in your present. Second thing that I would encourage you to do, so first thing that we exercise faith around is we remember where God was faithful in the past, he's gonna be faithful in the future. Second thing would be this, remind yourself that God is with you. I remind myself, I'm not alone, he's with me. So now look at the next sentence in that verse. He says this, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God, and then brought you out of Egypt, will be what? With you. He's with you. So right here in this verse, he's saying, listen, God did something in the past. He'll be, he'll be faithful in the future. And he hasn't left you. You're not alone. God is with you. I've fallen asleep on more kids' bedroom floors <laughs> than I can count. Not more rooms, but more times falling asleep on the floor. And it's just because, uh, especially in my, the early years, I remember when some of our kids, like my twins, when they were first born, they would always... Well, first off, they'd talk to one another. And so I th- it's kind of a dual purpose. You're in there to say, don't talk to one another and keep each other awake. But then they were also always just like, we're afraid. Stay here with us. And so this is, you know, before the age of cell phones, nothing to distract you. So I just lay there on the floor, and then I would fall asleep. And so we're all just sleeping. And so I'm sleeping on the floor uh, constantly. But here's the deal. My kids often, it's, it's, the, it's not that they wanted to talk with me. It's not that they wanted me to stand guard like this. It's just that they wanted to know I was right there. That's it. They just wanted to know, is dad present? And my presence brought them a sense of security. And similarly, in our walks with the Lord, there is something that is so powerful when all of a sudden I'm aware of the presence of God in the midst of my situation. Like I've had moments where I'm just so overwhelmed in my life, but as soon as all of a sudden I just have this overwhelming sense that he is with me, guess what? All that fear just melts away. And I, it's like I see the power of these these verses in the Scripture that just says anchor your hearts to these things because it is powerful in helping you overcome fear. A few weeks ago, we actually talked about presence. One of the fastest ways to become aware of his presence is praise and worship. It is the gateway to his presence. So if you're like, I want to know that you're with me, start to worship him, start to give him praise, and you'll quickly become aware of his presence. So what do we do? We remember where God was faithful in the past, and then secondly, we remind ourselves, God, where are you that you're with me? Now, I'm going to do this pretty quickly, but I want to read to you now, remember the other seven verses I wanted to get to? Let's get to them, okay? So, verse two, check this out. When you're about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. Pause for a moment. The priest shall come forward and address the army, not the commander and not the king. Why? Why is it the priest? The priest is the one who represents God. He's the, the, the spiritual anchor for the people. And notice, I love it, that the priest is coming forward to say these things, and I believe the reason why is because he doesn't want the army to at all anchor their hearts in man, but in God. He says, "I want the most important thing is not that you put your trust in your commander or your trust in your king, but you put your trust in your God. And so he's the one who, who comes and challenges the army. And he comes forward and addresses them, and he says, Hero Israel, today you are going into a, ba- a battle against your enemies. Continue on. He's basically going to uh, restate some of these same things. Don't be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes, what? He's with you. He's going to reiterate some of these things. To fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Now, I love it that it's the priest who says this, because he wants to anchor their hearts to God, uh, that he's saying, he's calling out some of the natural things. Listen, fear is natural, but don't be afraid. God is with you. And then I love that he makes this kind of statement. The priest is going to tell them, we, we could call it a prophetic statement over their future, where it's the outcome. And he says, he's going to give you what? The victory. How many of you would love it if you were facing opposition, if you already knew the outcome to what you were going to face? (laughs) How many of you have ever had a financial crisis in your life that you made it through to the other side and it wasn't a big deal on the other side of it? And you're like, man, had I known it was all going to play out that way, I wouldn't have worried so much. How many of you have ever, like, maybe you've gone through a move, and a job change in your life, and, you're, and you were stressed to the max, but then once you made it to the other side, you're like, it wasn't that big of a deal, and you wish that you could have gotten back all of your worry time. Right? How many of you have stayed up all, all through the night worrying about something uh, about the next day, and that thing never happened, and you wish that you could have gotten all your sleep back? Yeah, and am I talking to anyone here that we, we, we spend all this time worrying? And I love how he ends it by saying, oh, and the Lord's going to give you the victory. So just don't bother. Don't bother with the whole fear. Don't fall to the fear. God is with you, and he will give you the victory. And I know it sounds so cliche, and I almost get sick saying it. But if the Lord led you to it, he's going to lead you through it. I know, it's, 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 it's totally should be on a t-shirt there. But you, you know what I mean? If he is in it, he's going to bring you the victory. He is. I'm just gonna, I don't even feel like I have to make a prophetic statement. It's just a truth statement. It's a kingdom statement. It's a biblical statement. If the Lord is leading you into the midst of this thing and you're facing opposition, you will have victory on the other side of it, period. You're gonna. So anchor your hearts in that reality. All right, so now, are you ready for something that's just mind-blowing to me? All right, verse five through seven. To the end. Okay, so the officer, now, different person addressing the army shifts from the spiritual leader to the earthly leader because now he's gonna say, hey, here's some logical things that apply to you. Has anyone built a new home and not yet begun to live in it? Let him go home, or he may die in battle and someone else may begin to live in it. If anyone's planted a vineyard and has not begun to enjoy it, let him go home. Or he may die in battle and someone else might enjoy it. Has anyone become in pledge to a woman and not yet married her? Let him go home, or he may die in battle and someone else may marry her. Okay, so now what he does is he lists a whole bunch of kind of legitimate reasons to go home prior to battle. All of them have to do with this. Enjoying something in this world that you have not yet experienced the joy of in your life. But then he's gonna list a fourth reason to leave. And I think it's an illegitimate reason, but he's more concerned about the overall impact upon the army. Check it out. In verse eight. Then the officers shall add. Meaning here's an addition. I think it's illegitimate, but he's gonna add it. Is any one of you afraid or faint-hearted? Well, that's interesting. Afraid or faint-hearted, let him go home so that his fellow soldiers will not become disheartened too. So now here's what's interesting about this. They're not going home because of something they longed to enjoy. They're going home for something they longed to avoid. They're, they're leaving because of fear. And I honestly I think this is what so many people in our culture are actually kind of caught in. Fear has locked them down and they live a life of avoidance. I just want to avoid. You avoid this or that family member because of the potential conflict. But then you also miss out on the potential reconciliation of that relationship. You avoid giving to the Lord financially because you're afraid. What, what if it stretches us financially? What if it stretches us to the limits? You're, you're, you're like legitimately afraid. But then you totally miss out on seeing God as your provider. You avoid this difficult person, that difficult person, because of maybe a a conflict or a fight that could come up, but then you miss out on how God might want to use them in their life. Who or what are you avoiding because of your fear? Second little observation. He goes on to say, "Check it out." He says, "Let him go home, so that this fellow soldiers, so the fellow soldiers will not become disheartened too." He's saying it's best that you, the scared soldier, leaves so you don't spread your fear. It's better you're not here than spread what you got, which is fear. Can I just say this very bluntly to the church? The children of God cannot have fear permeating our lives. We're not designed to have fear permeating our lives, and we just cannot. Because it has a tendency to spread to one another. The fear that you carry into the family of God has a tendency to spread. And we would rather be down one individual than have one individual take us down. Think, think, about, think about this whole deal. He's like, listen, we would rather have that fearful person in the army not there than have that individual take the whole army down. So he goes, we've got to rid the ranks of fear, it just can't permeate this space because it will have a profound impact. So let, me, let me just personalize it for each and every one of us individually. Is there one thing in your life that actually has a, a tendency to permeate fear through all things? Is, is there one thing that you could point to or one individual you could point to that has a tendency that, that the root of fear always starts right here, that if I got rid of this one thing, it wouldn't spread into all things of my life? Like, like Picture it this way. It's better to take down one news channel than to have one news channel take you down. It's better to distance yourself or rid yourself of one friendship than have one friendship take you down. It's better to stop going to that one social media app than have one app take you down. Who or what is the individual person or the individual thing that needs to leave so that fear isn't fed in your life? Because fear has a tendency to spread. So how do we deal with it? Well, we deal with it head on and we deal with it through this thing called faith. Not just faith over fear, yay, no fear, more faith. No, we exercise our faith and we exercise it around these two things. We remember where God was faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future, and we remind ourselves who is with us and that he will bring us the victory. So I have nothing to fear. I often, when I find myself afraid, because I too find myself afraid at times, I often have to ask myself, it's a, it's a simple question. I remind myself, my heavenly father's not afraid, so I don't have to be afraid. It's a simple statement, but I just say it. I go, my heavenly father's not afraid of the situation, so I don't have to be afraid of the situation. I just keep saying it over and over. I go, God, are you afraid here? No, I'm not afraid. All right, I'm not afraid then either. I just keep aligning my heart with his perspective, I remember, hey man, you brought me through that thing in the past. You're going to bring me through this thing in the future. You're with me. He's not afraid, so I don't need to be afraid. Why don't you stand with me here right now. Let's close in prayer. And if there's fear that has just kind of crept its way in. Fear of the what if, fear of the could be, what could be the worst. I'm not gonna tell you it's just time to get over your fear, but I'm telling you it's time to exchange fear for courage that you can have through him. So Heavenly Father, We just want to make an exchange right now that we we recognize we can either foster and feed fear or we can feed our faith and we're going to choose to exercise faith around these, these aspects of where you were faithful in our past and that you are with us. We're going to remind our hearts that God, you're not afraid of anything that we're facing so we have nothing that we too need to be afraid of. I pray, Lord, that we would be a courageous people and perhaps courageous enough to get rid of the one thing that's actually spreading fear in our life. Maybe it's a person or it's something that we go to regularly, we read regularly, we listen to it regularly and it actually, it feeds fear. And we'd rather take out that one thing than have that one thing take us down. So God, I pray that you would just help us to be a people that rightly reflect your perspective of every hurdle we face. And that is you do not carry fear and so we don't have to carry it either. Lord, we need your help in this, but we know that you are with us uh, in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.